Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I'm Ting, and I am with Pretentious Dickhole. Mike. <laughs> with no context. Hashtag no context. Hashtag no context. Today we're going to do spoilers for... Baldur's Gate 2. Spo- to- <laughs> Sorry, I, I forget. You, you, you seem to enjoy it when I do this. Spoilers for Baldur's Gate 2. Spoilers for Baldur's Gate 2. Spoilers for Baldur's Gate 2. So we don't need to be so pretentious with this one, right? Or we do. I think you can be pretentious. It's fine for you to be pretentious because you are pretentious. I shouldn't be though, right? <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah, you're right. I'm a pretentious dickhole and you're the common man. You're keeping it real. And I'm from my ivory tower shouting down, No! Jonathan Blow says no! I'm just a panda. <laughs> you're just a panda and I'm Sir Michael from my gilded throne. Throwing lances of disdain. You play FIFA. <laughs> it's barely a game. By the end of the show, I will be crying. <laughs> You'll be crying, and I'll be smiling my smug smile of superiority. Maybe that's how we become popular. Is people are just tweeting us to check on my mental health, ensuring that I am still fine, and all the verbal abuse that I suffer bi-weekly. And in reality, you see, I'm the one who's broken on the inside. Yeah, that'll be quite dark. That will be quite dark. You see, it's the police coming to take me away for jaywalking. Twats. Have you had your summons yet? No, I think, I think I'm in the clear. It's been a month now and nothing's coming in the post, so I think I'm in the clear. Boom. Fuck the police. Sorry. <laughs> That's twice. <laughs> That's twice in this evening I've said that. What you should do is also on Facebook, you should sign up to Hong Kong. Oh, what is it? What's the... What, Hong Kong Indigenous? Yes. There's no way I could sign up to Hong Kong Indigenous because... Number one, I'm not Hong Kong indigenous. I don't speak Cantonese. I can't read Chinese. It's all a ruse. It's all a ruse. I'm like I'm like the least Hong Kong indigenous person. I'm like stealth. As long as I don't open my mouth, it's fine. And then as soon as I open my mouth, they'll all turn on me and throw bricks in my face. Unless you start shouting, fuck the police. <laughs> fuck the police. <laughs> and then you're on the <laughs> and, and they'll be like, yeah. Yeah. And whatever brother is in Cantonese. Or, or, yeah, factory colleague, Gong Yao, <laughs> Gong Yao, Gong Yao, high five. Tung Si, Tung Tung Si, with my, with my work colleagues. No day, Sik Ban, Tung Tung Singi. Is that right? I go for lunch with my work colleagues. I think you just need No Tung Tung Si Sik Ban. No Tung Tung Si Sik Ban. Welcome to Cantonese Club. Welcome to Tangent Club. So when we talk about Baldur's Gate, we're not doing, we're not going so heavy on this one, right? Sorry, Bioware, we're not respecting your game. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was coming back to this in 2016 versus when it was first out in 2000. I want to talk about how games age, and in particular how Baldur's Gate 2 age, has aged. How did you feel starting up the Enhanced Edition? Did your memory serve you well in this instance? So... It's interesting because I fired up the Enhanced Edition and the Enhanced Edition matches very well with my memories of the game. That's because you have a bad memory, old man. Because the original Baldur's Gate 2 uh, ran at really low resolution and you were incredibly zoomed in and etc. But the Enhanced Edition, it looks like I remember Baldur's Gate 2 playing, even if that's probably not how it really looked. Oh, what a letdown, that's quite sure. <laughs> what did you want me to say? It had to, it, it's also got some nice features in it. I didn't realise. There's, there's a new button on the UI 
And when you click it, it just shows you all the loot on the ground around you. So you can just pick it up without having to go to each individual loot pile. So that was nice. It opens uh, up a, a box, a it, dialogue with a... It, it just opens up a new kind of hot bar above the uh, the little text area that just shows all of the loot that's in some radius around your characters. And you can just loot things from there rather than individually clicking each loot pile. Because I was clicking each loot pile individually because that's how I used to play. And then it was like, what does this button do? Oh. So that's a nice quality of life improvement. I think that's the main quality of life improvement. And you run it in 1080p? I'm running it at native resolution for my monitor, which is like 1440p. And is everything upscaled, upresed? Yep. Whoa. Yeah, it's good. Just just works. And you can zoom in and out and everything. Did you use the added characters? I haven't got far enough to actually do so yet, but I was intending to. I mean, we can get onto that a bit later, but I really did not get very far in the game, actually. I think I played six hours. Actually, and I already hit a game-breaking bug. Actually, it wasn't really game-breaking, a quest-breaking bug. And I had to reload and play an hour of it over again. It wasn't the end of the world. I could have just carried on, but I was trying to (laughs) min-max. Yeah, and you've played quite a lot. I've been playing this thing since July. It's crazy. And over Christmas, I've played 25 hours. I know this. So I'm up to chapter four now. Of seven. And most of the game is in chapter two. Some two thirds of the way through, I think. Is chapter two the one where you've got to earn 20,000 gold? 10,000. 15,000 in the end, because you have a deal. You get a deal. Oh, okay. Fine. Yep. I don't remember these details. My character is just in chapter two then, and I'm trying to make the money. One of the things that hit me quite early on was the knowledge you need, you're expected to have, or they would like you very much to have of the AD&D rule set and spells and everything tied to that. I think I kind of just mocked you for this a bit, but yeah, back in the day, this is a common theme, by the way, <laughs> me mocking you. Yeah, I'm just terrible. For Baldur's Gate 1, certainly, I had a paper instruction manual, and that went into a bit more depth about what all the mechanics were and what Thacko was, what the different breakpoints were for attribute scores. Nowadays, obviously, it doesn't come with a paper manual, but you've got wikis, you've got the whole internet instead. So you have to dig, you have to do a bit of digging for yourself rather than it being handed to you in a little booklet. But I don't think you necessarily need to know that much ad and I mean, they tell you the important bits in the manual, certainly, or on the wiki now. The real AD&D rules are more complicated anyway. I mean, these are already a simplified, slightly streamlined version. I, I say this, actually, I've never played AD&D. I've never played the real tabletop pen and paper version. A good example of this is when you first try to create your character. Your commitment to your class, your race, and then whether you wish to multi-class, dual class... I don't know what the term for the vanilla one is. Just single class. Too obvious. And then picking, if you, okay, so for instance, if you do wish to multi-class, you need to know which two you wish to multi-class. And from all your research at the beginning, you, you're given the impression that you can get it wrong. 
you definitely can get it wrong. That's the that's the funny thing because I was just like messing with you, going, "Oh, it's so easy." Whatever. I think when I played the game the first time, I played one time just as a single class character. This is Baldur's Gate one, in fact, not even Baldur's Gate two. Actually, my main playthrough was with a multi-class cleric mage because I was a dumb kid at the time, and I was just thinking, "I want all the spells. I want all the magic." I want to be a cleric and I want to be a mage. So I just rolled a cleric mage and I knew the two attributes which were important, intelligence and wisdom. And I just maxed that. And it was like, you know, charisma in the toilet. I don't need to be charismatic. Who needs to talk to people anyway? I'm going to be smart and wise and just smell terrible and be weak. But who cares? Because I can blow you up with a fireball. So that was my main character the first time around. And I think that's quite easy just playing like that. This time, for my more recent playthrough, I resurrected I'm a Thief. That was the time I played a single-class character. I just played a thief thief in Baldur's Gate 1. But obviously I'd lost all my old save files and I don't think they'd work anyway. So this time I decided I was going to min-max it. And I started doing the background reading to remind myself of all the rules. And I totally went down a rabbit hole of spending hours reading about the best way to min-max a character. Okay, so we're talking about two very obscure things at the same time. Borders Gate 2 and min-maxing. Yeah, sorry. You, no, you smash those two things together, you tell me what you get. <laughs> yeah, so I guess it's, this is just me being a video game snob again. I mean, do you want me to try explain the concept of min-maxing? To a layman, yeah. To, you know, someone on, from the street, off the street. When you play a game, you can obviously just play the game without thinking about it too much. But for... RPGs in particular, you can try and play your character as efficiently as possible. And in the extreme case, this becomes what's known as min-maxing. I mentioned before that my multi-classed character, my cleric mage, I had max wisdom, max uh, intelligence, and just tanked my charisma. Because you've only got so many attribute points to spend. And where do you spend them? You can be a very well-rounded character. So I could have had mediocre stats across the board. I could have been averagely strong, averagely charismatic, averagely intelligent, etc. But although that might be more realistic, because that's what most people are like, it's not necessarily the best way to play a computer game where how good your spells are, how many spells you, you know, is determined by certain stats. So, as a wizard, as a cleric mage, I happen to know that I'll get more cleric spells if I have high wisdom. I'll be able to memorise more mage spells if I have high intellect. And my charisma, well, it doesn't really matter if I have really low charisma, because I can always send another more charismatic member of my party to do the talking. So, min-maxing, I'm going to minimise my charisma, I'm going to reduce that score as low as it can go to free up points to spend on my intellect and my wisdom. I'm going to max those two. Are there some points where you need your own charisma? You can't send someone else in. I think that happens when you get the keeps or something. Yeah, there are, there are a few points where, certainly in Baldur's Gate 2, you have to talk. But in Baldur's Gate 2, quite early on, you actually get this thing called the Ring of Human Influence, and it just maxes your charisma. So make up your deficiencies with magical items. Or drugs. Same thing. Same thing. So, thanks for telling me that you did the same thing as I did, even though you mocked me relentlessly. 
<laughs> Wait, for what? Yeah, the min-maxing. Yeah, I... So, for Baldur's Gate 2, yeah, I tried to min-max, because I, I actually didn't really care that much about min-maxing. I did a very half-assed job of it back in the day when I played it before. But this time, I did quite a lot of research to min-max my... Well, to min-max I'm a Thief. And I'm a Thief is not even a thief at the moment, because the most efficient way to play is actually to have a fighter first. So I'm a Kensai Thief, or a Kensief, I think they call it. So I have to get to like level 12 or 13 Kensai before I'm allowed to dual class to Thief, because that's the, that's the most efficient way to play. But it's a freaking nightmare. So I'm running around just on my own with no party members, because then you earn more XP more quickly. And I'm only like joining up with one character at a time and doing all their quests, and then ditching them and picking up someone else to do all their quests to try and get to level 13 so I can finally dual class to Thief. It's a ridiculous playthrough. As I said, I... Well, we haven't played... We kind of shelved Baldur's Gate 2 anyway, so I haven't actually gone too deep into it. But yeah, I'm a Thief is not actually a Thief at the moment because I'm trying to mega, mega, mega min-max him. So I was totally overwhelmed by the spell choice, but you've just told me you didn't bother too much with picking the right spells. You just threw offensive ones all the time. Uh, well, certainly my old playthroughs, when I was playing an actual magic user, I obviously did pay much more attention to the spells. And even after all this time, I can still remember what most of the spells do. So I just have innate knowledge of all the spells. But the thing is, I seem to recall, and incoming mocking here, you didn't realise you could right-click on the spells or in anything in the game to get a description, did no. you? Oh, I didn't know that. We were talking about it, and then I realised you didn't know this. And then I was like, now I understand why you think it's so hard. Yeah, I had to open the spellbook every time. What do you mean, open the spellbook? Because even the spellbook, you, you, you have to right-click on it in the spellbook. You can't right-click on it on like, the spellcasting interface. Exactly. So it would be that long process to open up the spellbook, then right-click on every spell until you find the one you like, the one you want. Or to remind yourself what it is. Okay, now I think you just have a bad memory there. Because you don't know which level the spell is in, unless you remember it. I just... You know what I think it is? I read quite a lot of fiction. So, this is kind of... Dungeons & Dragons is kind of like the classic fantasy setting. For me, I guess it's not so much of a big deal to remember all of these spells because they're quite you know they're, they're classics it's i already kind of have the concepts in my brain so it's pretty easy for me to memorize them mentally it's like oh yeah it's a fireball it's going to be a third level spell hmm. so if i said cloud kills you you could tell me what cloud level five i don't know what the fuck yeah because well misspent youth playing too many computer games playing too many rpgs and yeah just dungeon dragons type spell concepts yeah i've had a lot of exposure to them so if I said chaotic commands, I think that's fourth. And you could tell me what kind of spell it was, whether it's an it's, offensive one or a... It's an offensive one that makes people just kind of panic and go berserk. See, that helps, makes all the difference when you know the basics like that. I'm surprised you find this so hard to remember. I mean, your main character isn't a spellcaster, are they? It is. Oh, what, wait, what are you playing as? It's a mage fighter. Oh, a mage fighter. Yeah, okay. Wait, a mage fighter or a fighter mage? Oh, you, you were playing a multi-classed mage fighter. Okay. Yeah. This is what happens when you, sp- you spend your youth playing FIFA. You were mocking me also 
because that's what you like to do. When I said I I rested a lot in the dungeons. <laughs> yeah, I I did think that was slightly against the spirit of the game because in Baldur's Gate, mages are face melters. You can do so much damage as a mage. If you had a party of all mages, you could probably end most encounters pretty much straight away by just having all of them throw fireballs. But the disadvantage of being a mage is once you're out of spells, you're kind of worthless. So your party of face melters, once they're out of spells, they're just doomed. Or glass cannon, I think is a common way of describing this. You're amazingly powerful, but incredibly fragile. So just resting after every fight, you're kind of taking away the only disadvantage of being a mage. It just feels a bit cheap. And also it just feels a bit unrealistic. Can you imagine if you're in a fight, let's say, you know, you're in a dungeon, you do a fight, you're like, right guys, let's have a kip. Rest for eight hours. Get up. Walk around the corner. Have another fight. It's like, right guys, time for a nap. (laughs) But it's more, let's let's go back to the front, you know, the start of the dungeon and rest there. But two weeks later, you've managed to make it to the second floor. (laughs) We had had enough provisions. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's probably why this strategy isn't viable in real pen and paper Dungeons and Dragons, because the dungeon master will probably go, no, don't be so fucking dumb. But there is a rest till healed option. Yeah, but that's that's like another easy mode type option. I don't think that was in Baldur's Gate 1. So I even stretched it to the next level because I thought rest, as you say, resting after each encounter is ridiculous. So I just enabled restore health. Probably worse. <laughs> I think I probably had more time when I used to play these games. So I used to take it more seriously. And I did used to enjoy really role playing. Like... My, you know, full-on magic user, cleric mage character. I actually just called it Michael. And (laughs) it was like, yeah, this is me in the game. I'm a badass. I know all the spells. You know, I did try and kind of play it how I would if I was in that situation. And then again, even when I was I'm a thief, I tried to genuinely play it as if I was really a person called I'm a thief and really tried to steal everything. Even if it was ridiculous, I was really trying to really role-play. So the next thing I wanted to cover was, let's go back to why we're here in the first place. How did you sell Baldur's Gate to me? How did you convince me to to try this? Because I, I am fully aware of Baldur's Gate 2's place in history. It's won so many greatest of all time. Well, it's, it's been in the top 10 of greatest of all time PC games anyway. So it's always there and it's always in the back of my mind. Now you've gone back to it. What do you what do you think of it? Playing the enhanced edition. It has done a very good job of capturing the feel of how I remembered Baldur's Gate 2 being. The core parts of Baldur's Gate 2, like the story and the just the feel, the the, the combat mechanics, I think they do still hold up today. I don't think things have got fundamentally better. It's kind of like the opposite of what I was saying about Fallout 4 with the streamlining of Fallout 4 versus Fallout 1 and 2. And I was saying, oh, Fallout 4, it's, you know, it's a fun game. It's 
the streamlining is not necessarily dumbing it down, it's just made it into a different game. But Baldur's Gate 2 is an example of no compromises. Let's make it as deep and as complicated as, as we can without a real human behind the scenes cajoling you along and telling you, no, it's ridiculous, you can't sleep in the dungeon for a week. And trying to capture the richness of the Dungeons and Dragons setting with all of the spells, with all of the monsters. And I think it does do a very good job of that while wrapping it in an extremely epic and compelling narrative. The Baldur's Gate saga from the first game to the second game to the expansion, Throne of Baal, it's an extremely good fantasy story. And the fact that you are controlling the protagonist from when they are a mysterious orphan in some monastery library to ascending to be the Lord of Murder or the throne of the Lord of Murder, whether you are the Lord of Murder or not, is, is essentially the story itself. That's, that's the whole point of it. It's an extremely compelling experience. I mean, I did, uh, like I said, I, I played like a hundred hours in <laughs> pretty much continuously. You know, once I started, I just was unable to stop. I think the real question is, is it a time and place thing? Because, okay, let me, let me say something to give you an idea of where I'm coming from. I don't feel anyone needs to play Baldur's Gate 2 now. Right now, you don't need to play it. If you missed it, then I don't feel you need to play it now. What games do you think you do need to play? From back then? No, from, in, in general, what games do you think someone who claims to enjoy computer games needs to play do you think or do you think they need to play anything again this is a question with no real answer i feel like it that's an interesting one because it's almost down to personal taste or personal experience because i would have said ocarina of time but it's a time and place thing because if you've already played twilight princess why would you want to play why would you need to play ocarina of time only to see how it's aged badly or how it's not doing things as well as you'd expect them to because you've experienced the evolution of that genre. I, well, I think this is a really interesting question. Do you actually... Do you think... Because I actually... You know, I'm not sure the answer to this myself because I haven't played either one that recently. Do you think Twilight Princess is better than Ocarina of Time? Or do you actually think if you were to play them both back-to-back, you'd go, huh... Even though it's older and the graphics are janky, Ocarina of Time is still a better game. It's different because I have those memories tied to my initial experience of Ocarina of Time. And I think that's what's happened with people and Baldur's Gate 2. Specifically, Baldur's Gate 2. I'm not... Rather than make it a general about everything, every game. Because, as I said, I'm playing Baldur's Gate 2 again and picking it up and there are some bits of it that were a bit clunky but the core of it the story is is as good as ever and there are things that I know are coming and that I was looking forward to especially trying to do them from the evil perspective because I've only ever played it as a good character before and I was thinking oh this time I'll be evil I'll side with the vampires I'll I'll just be a dickbag I don't think there is any game that has done what Baldur's Gate 2 did 
better with the compelling story and the saga and the depth. I suppose you could argue from the time is place perspective, people's expectations of games are different now and it's just not going to live up to those expectations. It's not fully voiced. The graphics are kind of at the time good, but now very bad looking sprites. The spell effects, while flashy at the time, again, just look very dated now and nothing special. And maybe it's just too hard to overlook these things. It's a very interesting thing because, well, actually, I'm about to contradict myself here. I was thinking books. Books don't change, or they do change, but over longer time periods than games. It's not like... It's not like you'll look at Lord of the Rings and go, oh, this typesetting is awful. I can't read this. You know, or this font is so dated or this paper quality, you know, uh, is only 300 DPI. You're not going to say that. But you are going to go, oh, the graphics are dated. Oh, the... But that's not what's important. But then on the flip side of that, I would say, you know, I've read Lord of the Rings and... I didn't particularly enjoy it. There's lots of singing. I just thought it was kind of pointless. And I actually thought the story was quite derivative. But that's actually because it's the first. It's the first one. Everything else is actually really derivative of it. But it just so happens that I didn't read it first. What can I say? I don't know. I don't know what's done Baldur's Gate 2 better than Baldur's Gate 2 since Baldur's Gate 2. I can't think of anything personally. That's why I still <laughs> talk about it so fondly. But the things that I enjoy most about it, perhaps, are not what you look for in a game. That really may be the case. Because I'm putting more focus on the gameplay mechanics, more so than the story. But you would say, it's the other way around for yourself. I think the story is, yeah, the main draw of Baldur's Gate 2. But I've also noted that it's the relationships, the character relationships, which are... Yeah, the NPC characters themselves all do have very interesting backstories that you explore. But I feel that's something I can get from Dragon Age Origins. Oh, you see, it's funny, because I just found Dragon Age Origins really derivative. and, And actually, this is the key point. I think we've discussed this not while recording, but we've discussed this just in general. Dragon Age Origins is a very cookie-cutter game. It feels like they designed the format of the game up front and then made a story to fit it. They thought, right, we need four major quest lines that you will go and follow, and then once you've done those, you can unlock a final quest line. And they made the story fit that shape. Baldur's Gate 2, or the Baldur's Gate saga in general, They had a story they wanted to tell. They wrote that story and they fit the game around that instead. The story was epic. There were many branches. There were many side quests and adventures that you could go on. And they wrote those into the game. And if they got too ambitious and they weren't able to finish them, fine, they they cut off those branches of the tree. But it's not that they had a mould in mind that they poured the game into. They had a story, and they wrapped the game around the story instead. They approached it from a different angle. And to me, 
Baldur's Gate 2 is a much more compelling experience than Dragon Age Origins. I did not finish Dragon Age Origins. I did three out of the four stories and I was just like, oh, this is just, it's just like walking on a treadmill. I think, how did I want to finish this? I wanted to finish this by stating whether it's, you know, really, whether it's worth playing Baldur's Gate 2 again. No, is it worth playing Baldur's Gate 2 in 2016? And you would say yes. I would say yes if you enjoy a story. I think, obviously, you're not going to be playing it for the graphics. You may or may not enjoy the combat mechanics. Or the the tactical pausing and the gameplay in that sense. But if you enjoy the rich world building, all the artifacts you find, the lore and the epic story, those are still very compelling. And from that perspective, I still don't think anything has quite managed to match it. Maybe Pillars of Eternity. I actually haven't played Pillars of Eternity yet. Perhaps that is the best thing today. But even Pillars of Eternity, it's interesting because it looks like Baldur's Gate 2, presentation-wise. I mean, maybe you would be turned off by Pillars of Eternity because it still fundamentally just looks the same as Baldur's Gate 2. Maybe I'm just looking for streamlining and maybe just that polish that brings it back into this decade. Maybe that's all I need. It's funny just because I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of timeless. In the same way that the 2D Mario games, I mean, look at Mario Maker. You can sell a game in 2015, certainly, with the same graphics as the Mario games had in the 80s and 90s. And then look at Pills of Eternity. Fundamentally, it doesn't really look that different from Baldur's Gate 2. I think Baldur's Gate 2 has aged much better than, say, KOTOR, like Knights of the Old Republic, for example. Early polygonal games have not aged as well as peak 2D, because peak 2D, you can't actually get that much better than that. Okay. Would you say you would recommend Baldur's Gate 2 over Pillars of Eternity? I can't really judge that because I haven't played Pillars of Eternity, although I should. Okay, we're going to come to a very unsatisfying conclusion here. Well, we're going to agree to disagree? I think we disagree quite a lot. I think, it's, I think the normal state of affairs is that we disagree. Really? I like it when we agree. It means I have your backing. <laughs> I thought, you, you're just like a schizophrenic. You said the other time that you like it when we disagree. Yeah. I, I want what I can't have. What, what you won't give me, I'll take. Okay. I won't want. Okay. That doesn't even make sense. Okay. You stand by your recommendation. That's fine. That's good. I mean, that was the whole point of this discussion was really play it again, try it again and see if it, whether you would stand by your own recommendation. And you do. You know, I mean, when it came to the next book club game, I was actually wondering whether you would say, okay, let's pick up Boys Gate 2 again now that we, now that we finished The Witness. I actually wondered if you were going to do that, but it's fine just to leave it indefinitely on the shelf. I wouldn't mind playing it again, but then I've got so many other things to play. I think you were saying, oh, what, what will we play? I mean, I've, in 2016, I've already got, I've got a backlog of just late 2015, early 2016 games already to play that I don't know when I'm going to get around to playing. So 
if we don't finish Baldur's Gate 2, or if I don't finish Baldur's Gate 2, I probably can't afford the 80 to 100 hours it would take anyway. But are you still going to finish it, or do you think you're done? I still plan to finish it. But if it were up to me and if I were to recommend this genre to someone else, I would recommend Pillars of Eternity over Baldur's Gate 2. Because I, in my mind, Pillars of Eternity will have accepted the evolution of the genre over the last 15 years. And it may be derivative, but it's taken on everything that's happened in that genre in the last 15 years, and therefore is a better experience. Even though... I like time, the way you say that with absolutely no knowledge of Pillars of Eternity at all. But it's... It's whether you... What the difference between taking on something that's pioneering for its time versus something that's something a decade and a half later and whether you expect it to take that game that started it all and experiencing that versus taking something that's a derivative of it 15 years later. Do you want to drive the very first car that was ever in production or do you want to take a car that's taken on 15 years of evolution? And I think that's a very telling analogy from you because the analogy I used was about a book and how the, the story, the medium in which the story is delivered to you, the packaging, the font, is not as important as the story. And for you, you've obviously come at it from the completely different angle of, well, mechanically, do you want some 15-year-old clunker? Or do you want a sleek injection, you know, computer-controlled modern vehicle? So I, I think this thing, we're just completely not seeing eye to eye here. And I think it really does come back to the fact that I like to read fiction and you don't. And really, Baldur's Gate 2 is a really long novel stretched out over a hundred hours of tiny paragraphs interspersed with, well, what I also think of as being quite compelling game mechanics. But to you, the story is really not important Mm -hmm. and you're just getting the mechanics and you're thinking, well... The mechanics have been streamlined and tidied up because people have learned many lessons over the past 15 years. And I'm saying to you that nothing has done this epic saga as well. And you're saying, but I don't care. So, uh, you know, really that explains it. I think that's fair. And I don't think there's anything I'm going to be able to do to force you to read fiction and enjoy it. So It feels like I have to read a lot of fiction. Not really. I obviously don't know why I enjoy it, so I can't. It's hard for me to to tell you to enjoy it. It's not that I have to absorb the fiction of Baldur's Gate Two. It's not about reading fiction in general. It's just absorbing the fiction of Baldur's Gate Two and its world. We just have to agree to. Oh, actually, we're not disagreeing. We're just having our own view, which is okay. Yeah, I think we both agree that we have different viewpoints, and that's it. Well, that's a wrap-up. So, on that... Odd note. Where Ting is wrong as usual. Okay, fine. (laughs) I'm just kidding. On that difference of worldview. I wonder if this is what purists will complain to, saying the youth of today will never know, you know, what real games were. 
because they refuse to go back to the roots of it. I don't think <sighs> this is this is not a wrap up at all. You're opening up you're opening up another box here. I know. I don't think we're even talking about that. I mean, mechanically, this is the thing like Pac-Man or Space Invaders if, or Space War, if you're really going to go back to the roots. It's not about that. I think it's just that games that tell a story, again, it's kind of touching on what I said about Fallout 4 and The Witcher 3. I mean, maybe the game I'm looking for is The Witcher 3. I should really play The Witcher 3, it sounds like. I should really play The Witcher series of games. Because... Maybe, despite the fact that they're mechanically completely different, maybe The Witcher is, this, is a successor to Baldur's Gate 2 because I heard that The Witcher has this deep and compelling story and very fleshed out subquests that are real quests. Random encounters that in a Bethesda game would just be some throwaway radiant quest with no implications. But in The Witcher... Everything you do is loaded with meaning and everything you do might have effects that you don't realise 10 hours later, 12 hours later. Maybe The Witch is going to be an easier sell to you than Baldur's Gate 2. It's only that Baldur's Gate 2 is the, is the best thing I know. It's more that you had, before this, never played any RPG. No. I suppose you played like the Zelda games, but I would say the Zelda games are more adventure than RPG. Yeah, and you can focus on the mechanics of Zelda. You don't focus on the story of Zelda. Yeah, because really the story of Zelda is very thin. Whereas the story of Baldur's Gate 2 is complicated. You need a journal to keep track of it. There are so many characters. There are so many relationships. We should wrap up. I think we already summarised. I think we already... We've said we agreed to have different views. I think, yeah. I think that's all it is. We do just have... We do just have different views. And I don't think anything I do is going to change your mind. I don't think I'm going to be able to force you to read a fiction book it's and not, enjoy it. Yeah, but I can read a fiction book and enjoy it. But I'll can, you? can I, you? I can read a fiction book. When's the last time you read a fiction book? Um, School? No, I did read To Kill a Mockingbird, Catch in the Rye, Gatsby. But there's fiction and there's like science fiction and fantasy. Mm, yeah not those and science fiction and fantasy are like sagas well that's the thing people look down on science fiction and fantasy if no i'm not looking up or down here most people i would say look down science fiction fantasy they're just like there's nothing there it's just it's just it literally is a fantasy there's you know it's not a real thing i obviously really like i really like them i like fantasy for escapism i like hard science fiction because it's thinking about what could be and a lot of things that exist now, I think the inspiration for them has come from hard sci-fi. When people have written something, and at the time it's like, people have dismissed and gone, this is ridiculous. You know, why are you writing about something that's impossible, that doesn't exist? And then of course, now it's possible. And because someone wrote a very compelling story about it decades ago, that's why people want to make these things. When you pull out your your phone and it's got a magic screen that you can touch and it just does things those devices existed in sci-fi a long time before they existed in the real world but why did people make them in the real world because the concept existed as a fantasy so obviously i this is why i enjoy the genre and i, I appreciate that you don't i never knew that 
I don't know if people really look down or that's what you feel. I have no idea. Didn't know that there was like... I've probably just got a chip on my shoulder. <laughs> a hierarchy on... Fiction. Genres. Yep. I guess crime thrillers must rate quite high or what What the fuck? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I guess you... I don't know. I wonder like... I think they're all better than like vampire romance novels. Exactly. I was going to go there next. But then, but then again... I have actually read the Twilight books. I've read all of them. On that... <laughs> on that shocking confession. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please. With cheese. And peas. You can email us on... Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club We're on Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. We're also on Reddit. Slash r slash Lost Lovers Club, and we will be on Twitch. How <laughs> to describe the Twitch URL? Lost Lovers Club. Yep. Well, that's it from us. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.